0: Welcome to 100 Ways. This is your daily exploration of self and soul. I'm your host and fellow explorer, Laura Christine. Let's dive in and find our way home. So often I will say, say what wants to be said. This episode is going to be a very clear and direct and beautiful demonstration of what happens When we start to understand what saying what wants to be said can do in our lives. Okay, Ivana, what do you, first of all, say your name correctly so people know how to actually say your name. Okay, so the correct way to pronounce my name in Serbian is Ivana Milojkovic. Thank you for that. (laughs) It's beautiful and I love how you say it. I want to talk about philosophy. (laughs) Great, this is a philosophy podcast, really. Okay,
1: here's a question to start us off. Whose opinion do
0: you value more, yours or God's? I don't think that God has opinions. So mine, I guess. How can I value an opinion that doesn't exist? Or another way to look at it is, I am God. So what's the difference? Ooh, yeah, that's interesting. I've actually also never thought of that question. Mm -hmm. So I've been put right on the spot what about you? I mean, I'm going to turn that back around.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. I've never really been able to answer this question. So I had somebody in my life last year, super genius guy. He studied all of the great philosophers and has given me so much of their writing. So I kind of went down that rabbit hole of what does philosophy say about life? I know how psychology kind of looks at life and it takes a different approach, but What do the philosophers say? Because they have some serious, intense opinions Mm -hmm. about like nihilistic people, like believe. And I learned recently that nihilism, it's not necessarily a depressive thing, but it's nihil or neil, whatever, means nothing. And then ism is belief. So it's the belief in nothing. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And I was so interested, like, if a person believes in nothing, I go back to my question that I ask myself all the time is like, Okay, you wake up in the morning, your feet hit the ground. What do you do with your day if you have you have no fundamental guiding principle? So it's always interesting to me. And, and so he actually is the one who asked me that question initially. It's like, mm. whose opinion do you value more, yours or God's? And it blew my mind because I was like, oh my God, that's such an – and there's no right answer. It's whatever is true for you because it's like, well, do you believe in God? Yeah, right. What does God mean to you? Yeah. What values are
0: you choosing to live your life by? And what yeah, exactly. And what's your definition of not definition of God, but what kind of a god do you That is <laughs> fucking awesome, you guys. Thor is in the house. <laughs> Don't know if you heard that, but it is thundering here in Washington DC, which is where I am with Say your name again. Ivan Amilekovich. Yeah, my friend's daughter, who you know what, let's just break here and say, like, how am I even here? I <laughs> don't know. Um, <laughs> I know, it's so surreal. I am super good friends with your mom, Oliveira. Yes. We met in Hawaii, yes. where where I lived, as everybody knows, because I've said that about four times already on this podcast. And I wanted to interview her for an older podcast, so I did. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk about you, because she left your dad mm-hmm. and, and you, mm-hmm. effectively, when you were fifteen. No, like between twelve, thirteen, like I was oh. eighth grade just,
1: but her okay. spiritual awakening started before that. Like mm-hmm. when they divorced, that was the last straw. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I was like eighth grade, just starting high school. Okay. And then
0: she moved to Hawaii in yeah. when I was in 10th grade. Yeah. Yeah. And she left because from her perspective, like mm-hmm. she had to, Because to be true to herself, she had to do that. Mm -hmm. So you weren't connected to your mom at that point. I mean, you were always connected to your mother. Mm -hmm. But when's the last time you spoke?
1: So after she left, we stayed in touch a little bit. And again, I don't really have much memory of this time because I think it was so traumatic. Uh We were still in touch here and there. And then I did go to visit her with my best friend at the time. Again, I don't really remember that visit, but I do remember going there. And then I went to college in what was it 2015 and her and I got into a Mm. massive argument because you know I was going out and partying and drinking and her and I were still chatting here and there and I remember her commenting on like me drinking or whatever and I remember just saying it must be nice to be able to parent all the way from Hawaii and we got into a huge fight and I was like I'm never gonna look at you as a mother ever again you're always gonna be like the distant aunt in the family Mm. That's what I remember, but it was just this really long paragraph that I sent, just furious. That was, like, November 2015, and then we didn't speak for seven years.
0: Mm. Yeah. So how how did you speak
1: to her again? It was an interesting seven years Mm. because all of that from my parents' stuff, like, everything kind of just came crashing down. And, you know, life goes on, time moves on. Yeah. And there was a lot – my strategy at the time in adolescence, I guess, was – sweep everything under the rug under the metaphorical rug Mm -hmm. right and like it's fine you don't have to deal with it whatsoever Mm -hmm. and now (laughs) of course i know that that's a terrible strategy because that just means you're gonna have more stuff to deal with later and it's gonna be worse yeah um but again you have to go through it to know It was a tough seven years because I felt that my dad, my dad is such a provider, kind of very logistical, like how much money do you need for school, car, whatever, like logistical things, like he's a provider. And that's not unique to him. It's like very typical of Eastern European men um, who are older. So I felt, and I have no siblings and no cousins, and my grandparents also then moved to Hawaii. So it was literally just me and my dad in the house. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was alone, Mm -hmm. completely alone. Mm -hmm. So I would live with like live with. I would spend a lot of time with my boyfriend's families and my friends' families because I wanted family so bad because I didn't have it. Don't look at me like that.
0: I'm all sympathizing. <laughs> I'm all like trying to emphasize no. here. But, um, no, you know, I appreciate puppy it. Puppy dog like, oh, I'm sorry, eyes.
1: Yeah. I wanted a family. So I went and found mm. family, right? It's kind of the natural thing to do. Like you want love, you're going to go find love if you're not getting it from home. Yeah. I would go live with my boyfriend's families and it was, it really worked. It really worked well. Like I really found family and I found acceptance in other people's families. It was awesome. But I was so broken inside. Mm. I was dead broken like six-year-old me was still in the fetal position hiding in the closet in my brain so closed off like in a hazmat suit in a fortress with a moat around it you could not access my emotion at all like I was physically there but I was never emotionally there all of my ex-boyfriends would describe me as like oh you're fucked up and you have a headquarters of trauma in your brain really fucked up that period of seven years was kind of me navigating the worst period of time, which was between like 16 and God, 22, 23. Oh my God. I was doing things that no late teenager, early 20 something year old should be doing. And I think that's what matured me so much because I kind of had to navigate the world on my own situations and adults and all sorts of things. And then it got to a point where I moved to Washington, D.C. I'm skipping a lot with school and whatnot. But anyway, I moved to Washington, D.C. And I was like, okay, I'm out of my house. This is all I've ever wanted is to move out of my home. I'm in Washington, D.C. I have this – I'm like starting my career. I'm starting to feel like an adult, whatever. And I would sit down on the couch at the end of the day – And I would look around and I would go, something is still missing. Like, I had no idea what it was. I felt this ominous kind of nebulous stress around me all the time. But, like, nothing was inherently wrong. I had an apartment. I had a job. I had an income. Everything was fine. I have my health. I'm young. Like, everything was checked all the boxes. Yeah. Then I met a group of South Africans here in D.C. And these South Africans are like some of the most salt of the earth people I've ever met. And they were so loving towards me. And at the time, I was still so closed off. And so having them in my life was like someone shining a flashlight on that child that was hiding in the closet. And I was like, holy shit, I am so guarded still. Mm. Because I was like, oh, I've dealt with my stuff. I journaled stacks and stacks of legal pages during the pandemic. Like, I'm good. I dealt with a lot of my stuff, right? Mm -hmm. But what I didn't know at the time was that I was still so emotionally closed off. I had zero access to my feelings because they were with that child that was in the closet that was afraid to come out. So at the time, I was like, I can think through anything. Anything I need to do in life, I can just think (laughs) through and intellectually process and it's going to be fine. It's going to be great. Yep. Yep. So... I'm hanging out with these South Africans, and I actually end up really liking this girl's brother, fell like head over heels for him. And I was like, it wasn't him, it was the prospect of love in my life. Yeah. And I was like, if I want to experience love one day, deep, true, profound love, I need to deal with this, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, over the years, I had, like, Googled my mom's name here and there to see kind of, like, what she's up to as much as I hated to admit it. I was curious what she was doing. Like, I wonder, I yeah. is she thinking about me? Like, I have no idea what this – all I know is that she was in Hawaii. I had no idea what she was doing. Yeah. So I Google her name. I don't know if it came up on Google or, like, on Apple Podcasts, but I found the podcast that you and her did together on your show. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to listen to this. And I sat down in this apartment on the floor, and I was like, okay, <sighs> I'm going to listen to it. And I listened to it. And what changed my life indefinitely was hearing her say, You asked her, like, you know, you have a daughter. And it was always so interesting to me to listen to her talk about, like, I wonder how she describes our situation to people. Yeah. Right. Like, she has a daughter, but like, we're not in contact. Like, how does she describe that to people? And so listening to her say, Well, you know, Elsie if my daughter doesn't want a relationship with me, then that should make me the happiest person in the world. And I just remember being like, what? So blown away because I had never heard anything like that. And then she went on to describe, love is wanting for that person what they want for themselves. And so her logic is, oh, my daughter doesn't want a relationship with me, so that should make me happy then because I want for her what she wants for herself. And I sat there and I was like, whoa, that's not the case at all. Yeah. What's really happening is that I'm in debilitating, crippling pain. Of course I want a relationship with my mother, oh. right? Like who doesn't? Yeah. And so hearing her perspective and then understanding how I perceive the situation, it, I mean, we were on two completely different pages. So I listened to it a few more times and I was like, okay, I need to give this woman, I need to call her, I need to call her if for anything for my sake and so on her birthday march 22nd of 2022 i remember i like walked down to the capitol building and i sat in front of the reflecting pool and i was watching these ducks and i was like really early in the morning and i oh my god i was so nervous i was so nervous because part of me was like i can i can give her a call right now and she might not answer or she might be like i don't want a relationship with you but i knew i had to make that phone call for my sake
0: Mm. Tomorrow, we'll find out what happened when Ivana called Oliveira. For now, why don't we look at our relationship with our parents? Why don't we see where there might be some misunderstandings or full understandings? What part of you connects with your parents or your children and what part of you might not want to connect with your parents or your children? We can also look at that internally are we okay with our internal parents? Are our internal parents treating us the way that we want to be treated? Same with our internal child. Does that child feel supported and loved? Or does that child feel the need to rebel? Tune in and find out what you find out. If you're open to it, share it. Say what wants to be said. Until next time, I'm sending you all the love and then some more. We'll talk tomorrow to find out what happens. When Ivana and Oliveira talk. Thank you for exploring with me today. I would love to continue this conversation with you. We can do that at laurachristine.us. You'll find contact in the menu, or you can go to lauracristineus slash contact, and you'll be taken right to it. Let's dive in a little deeper and see how fully we can flow with the duh. Thank you for being here. I would love to hear from you. Go to laurachristine.us to let me know your thoughts on this. And remember, as Rumi said, there are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. Also, you can't fuck it up. I said that.